Thanks for listening to this podcast of Trending with Timory from the Relevant Radio app. Anything you share in terms of episodes, whether it's texting it to a friend, posting on social media, helps to build up the kingdom for God to help confront the challenging issues we face as a culture, but with joy, with hope, and with an eternal perspective where our faith collides with everyday life, bringing eternal principles to help us live our life joyfully. So, what's trending? Bridging your Catholic faith with your everyday life. You're listening to Trending with Timory on Relevant Radio. Welcome, welcome. Wishing you a happy Monday today on Trending. It is our weekly happy hour. We're talking about things that get in the way of our happiness, whether it be women, whether it be men, whether it be children, we dive into those topics. Numbers 888-914-9149. I'm excited because I am getting ready for Advent. I don't know about you. Maybe you're already focused on Christmas, but Advent, as my producer Jim always teases me, I will say it again, is my favorite liturgical season. And I think it's one that we often miss. It's like a Lent, but not Lent. So there's a lot we can do to purge sin out of our lives and prepare the way for Christ at Christmas. So I'll have some tips on how to do that a little later on during the show. And it's just the beginning because getting ready for Advent, I think is a big deal, just like getting ready for Lent. We need to take a couple weeks of preparation to get everything in place so that we have a good Advent and it doesn't just turn into an early Christmas celebration. Also, do we really expect young girls and women to get out of this pro-abortion mindset? Some startling news came across my desk earlier today from People Magazine, and I had this reaction to this news as if, well, what else do we expect of women and girls when we indoctrinate them with the idea that they perpetually need to either choose abortion to get ahead in life or be on birth control. So I'll share with you a little bit about that because we need to start having some really serious conversations with our girls and young women. And this is the opportunity. Have them with your peers. But joining me in just a moment, but will be Tyler Waxland. He lived a same-sex lifestyle, was part of the LGBTQ movement, part of the LGBTQ life, way of living. I always say gay isn't an identity, it's a lifestyle. You can experience same-sex attraction and not live it out. So what took him into the LGBTQ lifestyle? He lived in a Catholic home, grew up Catholic, and he actually thought, he thought that being Catholic, staying in the church wasn't an option if he was experiencing same-sex attraction. He'll share what life looks like now in the Catholic Church as someone who experiences same-sex attraction, and we'll dive into some resources. So if this is your story or a story of a loved one, we will dive in. If you have a question for Tyler or on same-sex attraction, our toll-free line is 888-914-9149, and it's sponsored by Catholic Order of Foresters Life Insurance. Tyler, welcome to Trending. Hi, Tim Marie. So I recently came across part of your story on Instagram. You are a Catholic. You share your news, your story of Catholic. You share a lot about your past lifestyle and the LGBTQ movement that was riddled with 
a very dark side, and yet you share the joy of Jesus Christ in the midst of being liberated from what I really do call a lifestyle, Tyler. And I want to start with your whole story because I think my hope is, is that people understand gay is a lifestyle. It's not an identity. Just as so many of these conversations we're having, like, since when do we label ourselves as like, this is what I am. We define ourselves by our sin or by our temptation. We're all sinners. But when we label ourselves with I am gay or I'm a gay Catholic, it's, I think, confusing. And so I want to, I'm hoping for people who are with us, they see the distinction that there's a place for everyone in the Catholic Church, no matter what your struggle might be, but we're still called to a certain way of living. But before we dive into all of that, I'd love to hear about your journey. I know you grew up Catholic. Tell me a little bit about your upbringing and then what led you into an LGBTQ lifestyle? How old were you? Sure. So I did grow up in a Catholic home. Uh, my grandma had taught me how to pray the rosary at a young age. Uh, I grew up going to Mass on Sundays. And in the Mass, I guess, I kind of felt uncomfortable in a way um, because since I was maybe like four or five years old, I started realizing I had same-sex attraction. And there wasn't really much talk in the church about it at the time. I just kind of assume that I didn't fit in in the church and that once people found that out about me that I wouldn't be welcome. So once it came to about high school, that's when I started coming out and came out to friends first and then came out to family as gay. Um, that's when I had made it my identity. And at that same time, I decided to leave the Catholic Church and just go out living as a gay man in the world. And I guess what kind of drew me into that was the media and TV, all of that. There was this message at that time, this was like maybe the mid to late 2000s um, of this, like it gets better. And they were trying to have a message of in the LGBT movement, it's going to get better if you like basically join that movement. So because of that messaging and knowing I had the same sex attraction, I thought, okay, well, I guess that's where I belong. And that's and where I ended up and where I settled my identity at that time. Now, how long did you live in a same sex type of lifestyle? I was in a same sex lifestyle for about 10 years. Now, I, it's interesting when you share that there was a marketing ploy that the message was, if you come out, if you start embracing this as your identity, if you start engaging in these relationships, if I would argue, even if you start promoting this lifestyle, it gets better. What was your experience? Did it get any better when you moved yourself into that type of environment? Honestly, it didn't. Um, at first, it was kind of like a relief, like, okay, I got this secret off my chest. But then it became like, I always felt like I was kind of on the defense, because inside I knew there was something like wrong about it. And also the culture at that time wasn't as like how it is now. Um, so I felt like I was on the defense. Therefore, there was a lot of like tension all the time. Um, it's kind of unsettling. Um, there, I did kind of have a little grudge against the church during those years. And 
Um, I mean, there was temporary happiness, but there was never like long-term happiness. A lot of people will say, well, it's a fun lifestyle and I'm happy. And you did comment like there are moments of happiness in it. Can you share with us a little bit about your experience in that lifestyle and how, you know, finding that difference between like happiness or like a momentary like, okay, yeah, I'm having a nice time versus what you're looking for and what you're looking for in terms of more that you're not finding in that environment? Sure. So kind of the temporary happiness that I would find would be, for example, like going to the pride parades, like it's a big celebration. People are drinking, there's music. So it's just like a big party. Um, But then at the end of the day, like you're just going home by yourself or it doesn't really change anything. Um, Same with like going out to the gay bars. I would go out and dance with guys, um, of course, have lots of drinks, see friends. um, But then at the end of the night, you still have that longing for something more. And the whole situation like of it, you kind of knowing it's not right on the inside doesn't go away. Um, It's just temporarily like sugar coated with the alcohol, the music, the parties, all of that. But yeah, the happiness doesn't last forever in that. I'd be interested to hear your thoughts. If you're just joining me, you're listening to Trending with Timory here on Relevant Radio. I'm talking to Tyler Waxlin. He is sharing his story of having lived an LGBTQ lifestyle and what he finds, a joy he finds now in experiencing same-sex attraction, but a living living in accordance with his Catholic faith. If you have a question for Tyler or on same-sex attraction, the number is 888-914-9149. I was looking at the news today and news broke that the Hollywood hairstylist Chris Appleton it has filed for and is divorced actor Lucas Gage. Now this, I'm not like a huge fan of either one of them, but I was intrigued by the headlines on this and that people kept commenting on how startled they were. It only lasted six months. And again, I put a quotation when I say marriage, uh, you can't have marriage without a man and a woman because marriage always is open to the ability to have children. That's just how marriage has always worked since the dawn of creation. Every culture, not just Christian Catholic. Uh, but what's interesting to me is this was a little bit more of a popular story and that the most recent episode of the Kardashians actually featured their, quote, marriage when one of the Kardashians actually presided over the so-called wedding. And my interest in this story was people are surprised that it only lasted six months. And yet my immediate reaction was, well, fidelity doesn't last in same-sex relationships. Um, there, it's a false promise of happiness. And you even commented, like, there were fun moments when living that lifestyle, especially, you know, part of the part, pride parade is a big part of, like, this huge this huge party but at the end of the day it's a very lonely experience what are your thoughts on the chris appleton and lucas gage divorce up in air quotes and just that lifestyle that promises so much in terms of a relationship that's trying to imitate marriage between a man and a woman yet people aren't finding fulfillment and what were your thoughts on the story so that is something that's kind of common that i witnessed as well when i was in that lifestyle is that even people would get into maybe committed relationships, but after a certain number of like months or so they would start kind of just not feeling fulfilled and they would start like opening the relationship to other people. Um, So I think my theory behind that is that 
like when you're not following chastity and things aren't ordered the way that God intends it to be, um, as well as, of course, not keeping God like in the relationship. Like eventually I feel like it's going to come apart when you don't have God at the center, when it's not ordered the way God intends. Um, so when I hear news stories like this, um, it doesn't necessarily surprise me. And what you said it was key is you don't feel fulfilled. I think a lot of people look and say, how could they only be married, quote, six months and then step out of it? Because it's not fulfilling. Now, you grew up Catholic, Tyler. How is your relationship with your family during that season in the LGBTQ movement? So when I was in the LGBT movement, they didn't really like support me, um, but they did um, love me during that time. So what was key for me was, even though I knew that they didn't agree with that lifestyle, I still felt welcomed um, to come to like our family, like holiday gatherings and everything. But I kind of knew where the line was. Like I didn't really talk about my relationships or anything with them or kind of what I was doing in the LGBT movement. But um, I did feel like their strong presence of love and which is kind of like a witness to Christ because the ones that I really felt the most love from were like the most devout Catholics of the family. Mm. I think this is startling for some people to hear because this is the challenge. I hear from a lot of parents and family members, and we have tons of extended family members who have been in and out of our house growing up, who have been in same-sex relationships, lived that lifestyle. And I think sometimes you see extremes. Catholic community where they say, you can never enter my house. I would never let you come in if you're living that lifestyle. And then the other extreme is, yeah, come on in, bring your partner, behave however you want. And I think that what you just shared is like the perfect means of where you clearly understood they didn't approve of the lifestyle you were leading however they loved you unconditionally and you were welcome yet I respect that you also shared you had respect for the things that you weren't going to talk about in front of them like your relationships and so forth now a lot of people will say well I tried to open the doors to my family member with same-sex who's living a same-sex lifestyle. Um, yet, I think a lot of people have this fear that there won't be that respect to not have those conversations. In my experience with my own family members, there was 99.9% .9 of the time always, always that respect. And we have multiple family members who have lived this lifestyle. I only remember one slightly awkward experience, and it was like trying to show someone a picture of so-and-so's partner in a Speedo. And my parents were like, oh, maybe not here. There are kids around. And I thought it was funny. Like, like you laughed at it. It was funny. Like, that was as far as there was anything ever that maybe even slightly could have crossed the line. And... I share this because I think a lot of the time we overthink these experiences with our own family. So can you share with me a little bit about how that was navigated by your family and even what you just said, how the people who were the most Catholic, like really practicing their faith, were the most welcoming and loving toward you? Sure. So I did bring like a boyfriend home to meet family before and they just like treated him like one of my friends because I mean, at the end of the day, he was a friend. Um, we just were kind of doing sinful things together and um, our identities were a little off during that time. Um, but they treated him with respect as well. And yeah, it was kind of a two-way street because then 
I also didn't try to like challenge their religious beliefs or anything. Um, so it was that balance on both sides and um, they were walking with me and then I was also like open to walking with them as well. So it was kind of a two-way street with us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you had an open dialogue, though, an open conversation. Although you had different experiences, they were able to navigate, even though you did bring a family member or a, someone you were dating at the time into the home. It sounds like there was respect even within that context. And they were able to treat your friend like a friend. And that may have been what he needed out of respect. Yeah, correct. Yeah, he totally felt loved by them and welcomed when he was around my family. Do you think there was still a clear understanding um, that even though he was welcome and loved, like that even though, because I think sometimes, Tyler, people will think, well, okay, if we welcome their partner into the home, or is that us approving of that same-sex relationship? How was that for you? What did, what did you guys experience in that situation? What are your thoughts in the aftermath as well? And what would you advise for people who are maybe navigating a similar situation? And if maybe they don't have impressionable young kids that they have to over-explain something to? Um, I would recommend not being afraid to kind of communicate like boundaries, like maybe like the family member and their person they're dating like don't stay at the house like in the same room or something or um like one thing i remember doing is like if there were kids and it was like maybe an extended family member that wasn't as familiar with my relationship i would ask them first if it's okay to bring the person i was dating um like not being afraid to have those conversations on setting those boundaries if maybe you're not comfortable with having them like stay the night, um, communicating that to the family member, but maybe they could still come for the lunch for the holiday, um, things like that. So um, just kind of communicating where you are and remaining kind of in your comfort zone and boundaries so you're not feeling like you are giving false support um, based on your religious beliefs. We have tons of questions coming in on this topic. We'll take some of them in just a moment. You know, you shared you grew up Catholic. You left the Catholic Church when you came out in high school. What was part of the catalyst for bringing you back to your Catholic faith? Because this is a huge part of your life today. I felt kind of a calling, like kind of an, a desire to go back to church, to go back to Mass like in um, one of the neighborhoods that my ex lived in, I would have to street park to go to his apartment. And there was this beautiful Catholic church, like old style with the nice stained glass windows. And I would walk by and I would think, oh, it would be kind of nice to go to mass there sometime. And it was a little strange because I hadn't thought about going to mass in years. So and it's like that desire kind of stayed inside me. And I would ask friends, oh, do you want to go to Mass sometimes? And they grew up Catholic, but they were also in the LGBT movement. And nobody wanted to come with me, so I didn't end up going. I just continued in the LGBT movement, living my life. And then maybe a couple years later, um, my cousin came to visit me in Hawaii, and she invited me to go to church. And that's kind of where 
everything began in regards to me starting to attend church and my full-on reversion into the Catholic faith began. Joined now by Tyler Waxland, he's sharing his story of leaving the LGBTQ lifestyle and finding peace in the Catholic Church, even while still experiencing same-sex attraction and following what the church teaches. You said earlier, I didn't know staying in the church was an option, so I left. I want to come back discussing what life is like for you living in the Catholic Church, how you found that you can be in the church and experience same-sex attraction. However, there are things that we have responsibility to do, even when we have temptations, including same-sex attraction. There's still a place for you. So I'll be right back with Tyler. We're tagging him on Instagram where you can see much of his story of having lived, left that LGBTQ lifestyle. He was in it. He was a part of the parades. Yet now he is preaching the joy of Jesus Christ and being able to live a lifestyle that falls in line with what the church teaches, even with having still experienced same-sex attraction. We'll be right back. So, what's trending? Bridging your Catholic faith with your everyday life. You're listening to Trending with Timory on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Tyler Waxland grew up Catholic and left the Catholic faith to be a part of the LGBTQ movement, pride parades, all of it. He lived in that lifestyle, experienced various relationships with people of the same sex, and he left it all and returned to his Catholic faith. Something you said earlier, Tyler, really stood out to me. You said, I didn't know staying in the church was an option, so I left. And I feel like that's just a resounding sound I'm hearing out of the mouths of people who left and came back. They thought there wasn't a place for them, and whatever it might be. And it's not just experiencing same-sex attraction or being part of this transgender movement or trans identity. It's a lot of different things. People think, I thought there wasn't a place for me. And the message of the church is there is a place for absolutely everyone. Jesus Christ ate with the people who were considered the biggest sinners of his time, tax collectors and prostitutes. And I give that example because often people will say, well, the tone of what is being said in the church makes it sound like I'm not welcomed or like I'm alienated. And so I'd love to hear from you in hindsight, but also now with having returned to the Catholic faith. Can you comment a little bit more on that? You said you didn't know staying in the church was an option, so you left. What brought you back? You had this desire to go back to church. Were you missing God? Were you wanting to live a different lifestyle? Like, What was it and how did you find a place in the church? Sure. So going back to not knowing there was a place for me in the church, I think when I was growing up, there wasn't much discussion on like chastity and like living a single life and those types of things for people with same-sex attraction. Um, and then what kind of drew me into the church, even before I had looked into different options or kind of where I fit into the church, was just the peace of other Catholics and Christians in general. Just I was used to, in that LGBT movement, constantly gossiping and tearing other people down and then mm -hmm. hearing things said about you and it just started to feel ingenuine and then when I would hang out with like Christians and I would experience that they don't talk about other people that aren't around they have this peace to them and I was attracted to that I was like that's something that 
I also want. And the way they talk to me with such respect, even though I know that they know I have same-sex attraction, but in their eyes, I am Tyler. I'm a person. And that's kind of what really drew me in, that attraction to that peace, that inner peace that I desired. Mm. It's interesting you mentioned just how cutthroat and mean the LGBTQ movement can be. It's interesting because I think that's a side that's not often discussed. Can you just comment on how, like, when we're living a lifestyle, because more comes with it than just, like, living out your same-sex attraction and engaging relationships. There is, I think it pulls at many areas of our soul. Like, we struggle. When we sin, we sin in many areas, not just one. And I think that that's what's key to, like, understanding that story. You become an ugly person in certain areas of your life, even though you're trying to pursue what you think is good for you and even good for others. Yes, exactly. Like, once you start committing those, like, grave sins, you become kind of blinded to other sins. And before you know it, you're committing sins of, like, gossip. You're, I would become very prideful. I would, I don't know, just kind of more cutthroat. And you're very envious and jealous of other people. And there is whole, like, body image stuff going on where... Like, if you had this kind of body, you were desired by people. But if you look this way, then um, you weren't and people would talk down on you. Like, there was a just a lot of different things going on. Mm. And at the time, I didn't even really think about all of that because that's just kind of what you get used to it. You're just kind of right. numb to the sin, numb to the negativity until you are taken a step out of that and mm-hmm. the veil is dropped and you're like whoa like life doesn't have to be like this mm-hmm. oh uh patty's on the line and she has a question which i thought was interesting because a lot of people say that they're happy and maybe sometimes might think well maybe you just didn't find the one so i think this relates to patty's question patty welcome to trending what's your question for tyler today Hi, yes. Uh, first of all, I wanted to just thank him. He's the your brave soul. Um, you have a heavy cross to carry, but I think you're going to be okay, you know. Um, so anyway, my question is, I in common is that I live, there's a couple, an old couple, a gay couple that lives across the street from, from me. They've been together for a long time and they're in their 80s now. They're elderly. And in the beginning, when I met them, they seemed very at peace and happy. They have a beautiful garden and they do a lot of, you know, they're always just together. But um, now that I got to know them a little better, there is an emptiness that I sense, you know, when I talk to them. And one of them did disclose to me that that they wish they had grandkids and Mm. children. Um. You know, and I just wanted to ask if, if, if you ever got into a very serious relationship where you thought of like not well marriage or or being with that person for the rest of your life. That's all. Thank you. Uh, yeah, I think yeah. this is a great question, Tyler, because, you know, people say, I'm happy, and some might say, well, maybe you just didn't find the one. So I think her, Patty's question is legitimate. Like, did you see yourself ever with someone long-term? Like, did you have a serious relationship where you envisioned yourself moving forward? Yeah, I actually did have a 
uh, kind of a long-term boyfriend where I was open to quote-unquote marriage with them, um, but there is always kind of what I discovered was there's always little complications such in my specific case that I experienced. He wasn't completely out to his family, so then it's like when we were around certain family members, like either I wasn't invited or we had to act a different way. And so there was always kind of these barriers. And, um, and because of that, he didn't want to like do kind of the next steps that you would towards like a marriage and all of that. So there's kind of always these barriers that come up when you're living in the LGBT movement that do make it difficult and unfulfilling even if you do have those temporary moments of happiness mm. yeah it's interesting you mentioned that because like there's always something right like you're trying to f force this relationship to happen yet here it is like it wouldn't be open to the family the family wouldn't be in full knowledge and it sounds like you have an immense amount of respect for people tyler and like that's a grace of god that you had that respect that you weren't going to just like dive into someone's family without that person at the time that you were dating uh, being on the same page and actually sharing that information, being open and transparent with that relationship. Now, a lot of people will say, well, for example, this couple next door to Patty, they're in their 80s. They seem happy. They spend a lot of time together. There's a lot of companionship within the context, especially later in life of same-sex relationships. I have family members elderly family members, multiple of them who are in later in life and have taken a lot of solace from that companionship. And I always just wonder if at a certain point, some of the emptiness of that lifestyle at that point has, has gone. And now this person is their friend and someone who they've engaged in a lot of things that was were damaging to one another, yet they still are trying to maintain this friendship. So can you speak to the difference between happiness and like experiencing that momentary happiness that, you know, we enjoy something, yet it's fleeting. Like it's one thing to experience an emotion. Like we can experience sadness. We can experience the giddiness. We can experience happiness, but it's fleeting. All of these are emotions that go away. Can you speak to the difference in those relationships that you've experienced between happiness and joy, which is a grace from God. It's abiding and it can't be destroyed the way an emotion ebbs and flows. Yeah. So in same sex relationships, I mean, at the end of the day, like, there is a friendship involved and friendship is a gift from God and can bring you joy. But when it becomes disordered and unchaste in the sense of the same sex relationships, you're, it's like you're trying to like mirror or mimic um, what God does for God's intent for marriage, but you can never replicate that. Um, when you are in a same-sex relationship. So it's like no matter how hard you try, like you're, it's not going to be that bond that a man and a woman have in a sacramental marriage. And, and no matter how hard you try, it's not going to be uh, reproductive and produce children. So there's always going to be different barriers that although maybe you do find joy with that person, um, you're still going to have barriers where you can't fully, completely mimic what God has designed for marriage. I'll never forget, Tyler, during Proposition 8 campaign in the state of California when they were trying to amend our state constitution to make marriage between 
whatever you wanted. Men and men, women and women. And the people of California, believe it or not, voted to make enshrined in their state constitution marriage only between one man and one woman. Now, what's interesting with that is I remember at the time I was very involved in the dance community. I've had a lot of family members and friends who've lived same-sex lifestyles, and we were very openly vocal and involved in the campaign to really build up that one man one woman marriage in state constitution and i remember my mom had an encounter with one of my dance teachers at the time and there was a little bit of you know discomfort with you know the vocalness and my mom wanted to address it because there were bumper stickers and everything was kind of out in the open and i just remember him being in tears as she was saying like how much she loved him but how much she was trying to like communicate that what marriage is is what we're trying to protect and there were tears in his eyes because he so deeply desired to have an imitation of what marriage is but he knew that at the end of the day that is not possible in a homosexual relationship that as you mentioned you can try to imitate it but it's not possible the fecundity the ability to bear children to have grandchildren even this comment from patty about her neighbors who were in their 80s and wish they had grandchildren like that is not possible and even in the desire to try and divine whether it's in a state constitutional amendment marriage between whoever you want it's still at the end of the day not what marriage has been from the dawn of creation in every civilization and in nearly every religion and that's always really stood out to me now tyler can you share with me if you're just joining me now on trending we're diving into the topic of same-sex attraction tyler Watson's with me i've tagged him on social media specifically on instagram you can find him if you just head over to my instagram story at timmery t-i-m-m-e-r-i-e i've shared his story he'd be a great person you know if maybe you're working with a teenager who's not sure how they feel about uh, same-sex attraction and maybe you know spend some time you as a parent go through We'll look at some of their content and have some conversations. Share this episode that they can hear. Uh, we're always happy to take your questions as well. The number is 888-914-9149. Tyler, what does life look like in the church now after having experienced same-sex attraction? It sounds like, do you still experience same-sex attraction? How do you find yourself living your Catholic faith today? Uh, so, yes, I do still experience same-sex attraction. Um but that doesn't stop me from living fully in the Catholic Church. Um, I do pick up my cross daily and continue to follow Jesus, and I do that through practicing chastity. Um, so I completely like abstain from sexual relations, and um, I get really involved in the church community through different, different um, like prayer groups and different. Um, things like 40 Days for Life, praying outside of the abortion clinics, um, even just um, talking to friends that are still in the LGBT movement, now witnessing my faith in the church and trying to live as a witness um, for Jesus Christ um, to them to hopefully inspire them to come home as well. 
I love where you mentioned you're getting involved in different groups. You're involved in, you're spending time with other Catholics. You're giving your time in service as well. Now, speak a little bit more to chastity because this is a challenge and this is something that always upsets me and it really upset me when I was single. My husband and I dated for way too long before we got married. That's another story for another day. But I remember there was a lot of conversation in the church and people were saying we should be able to adopt and bless any type of relationship and it shouldn't matter whether you're divorced and remarried, living a same-sex relationship. I remember looking at a priest who you know, was kind of jumping on this bandwagon, not exactly following what the church taught. And I just looked at him and I said, I'm sorry, but you're telling me, at the time my boyfriend was there and now husband, I said, so you're telling me, we've, you know, Father, we've been dating for a long time and we're saving sex for marriage, but you're telling me it just doesn't matter anymore and that we should be able to do whatever we want. And he's like, oh, no, 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 no. And I said, no, that is what you're saying because you're saying it doesn't matter if sexual intimacy is safe for marriage. And he said, but, you know, people come to me and they cry and they're upset. I'm like, I cry. I want to be married, Father. It's taking forever for us to get married. <laughs> and I remember he was backpedaling in the conversation. And he said, I, I understand. I understand what you're saying. I said, I know you understand what I'm saying, but what I'm saying is we can't be weak just because someone has a particular experience, or as you say, Tyler, a particular cross, a particular temptation, that doesn't mean just because it's hard, just because we're sorrowful, just because it's isolating that we approve it. So can you speak to that perspective on the front of chastity and why the church should continue to uphold this high standard that some people try to say is impossible for anyone to live up to? Yeah, so I guess what it comes down to is, like, I wanted to know the truth and who Jesus Christ was. So, Jesus Christ was the same yesterday, today, and will always continue to be the same. So, in that sense, what is true a thousand years ago is still true today. And one of the most biggest kind of epiphanies I had coming out of the LGBT movement in relation to chastity was that chastity is for everyone. It's not just kind of pinpointing yes. the LGBT movement that, oh, you guys need to be chased. It's actually everyone, which you kind of spoke on as well, where those who aren't married um, also need to be chased. And then, of course, there's also chastity within a marriage as well. It just looks different than um, chastity as a single person. So, when I realize that it's not them against us when it comes to chastity, that it's everyone is practicing chastity, that was kind of a big game changer and motivator for me. And that really also made me feel included in the church, that I'm not being singled out, that mm -hmm. I am in this with everybody else um, practicing chastity, even if we're in a world that encourages everything but chastity, um, that the church is still um, moving forward in the teachings of Jesus Christ with everyone um, on board with chastity. Mm, I love that message that it's for everyone. Sometimes for some reason, all of a sudden we experience some sort of sexual deviance or we start to justify a situation. No, chastity is for everyone. Even people who are married, you're called to be faithful to your spouse. So I know extramarital affairs, no pornography. I think that that mindset of chastity, for some reason, people tend to think, oh, that's just for teenagers or that's just for a certain group of people. It's for everyone. Now, how has your perception of the Catholic Church changed since returning to the Catholic faith and still, live, still experiencing same-sex attraction, but not living it out? 
So I used to have like kind of a negative view on the Catholic Church and um, people who um, I always had this thing in my mind where I thought, oh, they hate us or um, like, of course, they're bigots or whatever. That's what I used to think because I was finding my identity in those sexual desires. Um, but now that I'm back in the church and I'm following chastity and realize that other people are also struggling with other things, maybe it's not chastity, maybe it's some other temptations and um, realizing that we all have crosses and just having those conversations with people has brought me um, closer with them and has kind of changed my perspective to it's not this like holier than thou thing like we're all walking in it together and just being open um, with the other Catholics like in my parish everyone is so like welcoming and like we have good conversation and fellowship and we're able to walk with each other and it's one it's like a big community and that's totally the opposite of what the evil one had in my mind prior to my return to church what tips do you have for anyone who might be experiencing same-sex attraction but trying to reconcile their catholic faith for remaining chaste and remaining in the church i would recommend to continue to go to mass continue to um, learn more about the faith, uh, maybe study theology of the body. Um, studying that really helped me understand the true like meaning for sex and our sexual desires and marriage. And of course, staying close to the sacraments, um, going to confession, um, making sure you're doing your best to remain in a state of grace, um, receiving the Eucharist. Um, all of those things. I think this is great, living that sacramental life, living in a state of grace, receiving your Lord Jesus Christ. Really, I love this guidance because it's guidance for all of us, Tyler. It's not just some for someone who has this particular cross. It's for all of us who need to remain faithful to Christ to overcome those disordered tendencies and desires that we ourselves all have. And I think that's sometimes what's so inspiring for me in hearing the call for people who experience same-sex attraction. Now, just real quick, I'd love to hear what resources you would recommend for anyone who's trying to live out their Catholic faith while struggling with same-sex attraction. Sure. So a resource that comes to mind is Courage, um, Courage yes. International. So um, they do have a website and they have chapters throughout the United States as well as some international chapters. Um, I actually went to their 2023 annual conference and it was honestly life-changing to um, meet other Catholics with same-sex attraction that are very like devoutly trying to live out the Catholic faith and that sacramental life and to have that fellowship with other Catholics while also having kind of the spiritual guidance from priests and everything. Um, it really brought me deeper into my faith and it made me definitely feel like a loved part of the Catholic Church. So I definitely recommend Courage. 
Courage International is impossible for men and women who experience same-sex attraction and for also parents as well. They have a whole program for family members. If you have a family member who's experiencing same-sex attraction and trying to navigate how that looks like in your family, please check them out. You can find them at CourageRC.org. That's CourageRC.org. Tyler, thank you for sharing your testimony. It's not easy, and I always admire people when they're willing to share the seedy moments of their life for the hope of helping to inspire others to align their lives with Jesus Christ, even in the midst of the struggles they face. I've tagged Tyler on Instagram, and we are so grateful for you, your story, and we'll be praying for you. That's Tyler Waxland here on Trending. I'm tagging him on social media. Please check him out. I'm ta- tag- I've tagged him on Instagram. Just follow me at Timmery, T-I-M-M-E-R-I-E. I'll be right back to share some exciting news. That is what we can do to prepare for the Advent season. We're talking about what you're thinking about. You're listening to Trending with Timory on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. I cannot believe it. 2024 is almost here and Christmas is almost here. I'm so excited, especially because I have girls who one is an Advent baby. The other one is just after Christmas. And so... The, just the joy of the season continues to grow now that we have Christmas and kids at Christmas time. My daughter keeps asking my mom to watch and we don't really watch much like content in terms of movies and shows. And she keeps asking for Christmas movies. It's really cute. It's as if she knows it's her season. But my favorite liturgical season of the year is Advent. And this became so about Oh, goodness, 12 years or so ago when I went on an Advent retreat for the first time. Since then, I've made an Advent retreat almost every single year except for the last couple with the girls. But it really opened my eyes to what the Advent season is, how it's a season of preparation for Christ, how we're meant to go out into the desert and prepare the way of the Lord with, for example, companions such as John the Baptist, who prepared the way for the Lord, with Our Lady, who waited in anticipation of the coming of her son, Jesus Christ, with St. Joseph, who was preparing the way for his son to enter into this world. It's a very special season. Now, my eyes were also open when I learned that there's a reason why those penitential colors and the purple are a part of the Advent season. The decoration's supposed to be sparse. It's supposed to direct us of purging our lives of sin, preparing ourselves through penance and prayer for the coming of Jesus Christ. And so I'm hoping that this could be an excellent Advent for you. Now, just like with Lent, I like to start preparing a few weeks ahead of time. And for me too, I'm still, you know, newer married, newer to having kids. And so we're starting to figure out what those traditions look like in our home, what Catholic things there are that we can incorporate, what I grew up with in my home. We grew up with things such as Advent wreaths and having often an Advent calendar. So my hope is that you'll spend the next couple of weeks preparing for what you want your Advent to look like. So here are some of my thoughts I want to encourage you. Remember that it's a season of preparation for Christ, purging your life of sin, engaging in some type of penance, and making your prayer life more robust than it already is. One of my favorite ways to do so is I love to have some sort of devotional or book during Advent. Now, my favorite hands down that I'm returning to yet again this year is the incarnation, birth, and infancy of Jesus Christ. I'm posting a link on social media as well as an episode notes for today's show. That is written by one of my favorites, St. Alphonsus Liguori. Now, 
This is great. It actually is for the season of both Advent and the octave of Christmas, and it's wonderful. However, and it's deep. It's it's a good, I will just put it this way. I was expecting something soft, but Sinofonsa Zagori never delivers something soft. It was a good kick in the pants, to say the least. Now, if you've never read Preparation for Death, I highly recommend that as another great Advent devotional as well. Uh, it really has this whole theme of what the saints have embraced before us. We spoke of it just a couple weeks ago at the beginning of the month with All Saints Day and All Souls Day, and that is memento mori. Remember your death. Remember to die. And so those are a couple great resources I'll post in the episode notes. If you've not walked through either of those, those are great Advent companions. So that's what helps me with kind of keeping my my prayer life in order, my penance in order, working to purge sin out of my life to prepare the way for Christ. And I'll have some other book recommendations in the coming days. There are some great resources that I will be giving your way this week so that you can order everything in time. So to add on, though, to that Advent preparation, having an Advent wreath, I think, is a great thing to have on the dinner table, even if you're not the best at always lighting it. It's just one thing that's in the central part of your home that you probably spend a good majority of your time passing through the kitchen and the dining room is to have that Advent wreath as a reminder of the Advent season, to look upon those Advent candles seeing the symbolism of charity, of hope, of peace, and of love as a reminder to draw virtue into your life, to pray for virtue as part of the preparation for Christ. And now during the Advent season here on Trending, one of my favorite things to do is to actually talk about what each and every single one of those Advent candles represent and how that can be greater inspiration during our Advent season for bringing virtue into our home. So get your Advent wreath. You need a lot of Advent candles if you light them at all the meals. I think I bought a huge box on Catholic Company a few years ago that I'm still working my way through. The other thing is an advent calendar. This is something I found a little bit more fun with kids is there's some great advent calendars. Ignatius Press has some great ones. I'll be recommending those in the coming days as well. So keep an eye out on the show page, Trending with Timory. Be sure to subscribe because we will be making further recommendations for advent. I think also a nativity scene. So I'm finding this is especially important with little kids of Where's Jesus? Not having Jesus in the nativity scene yet. Although if you're in my house, my daughter stole Jesus from the nativity scene this last year. And so our nativity scene that's outside is still outside because she loves to go and put baby Jesus in the cradle. And she goes and hugs Mama Mary and talks to St. Joseph. Sometimes she'll even insist that we go out and tell them goodnight outside before we go to bed. It's very precious. But Nativity scene inside is one of the new additions I'll be making to my home as well because I haven't had an indoor nativity scene uh, yet, although I have some neat little artwork that is a, is a small nativity as well. I guess I hadn't thought of that, but I'm actually going to have some recommendations for nativity scenes for kids. I've been looking for something that's wooden because I want something that's not breakable, although I adore my mom's Fontanini nativity set that we've been slowly, my siblings and I, building up one piece at a time. They're, they're gorgeous. You can, can pick them out in all sorts of sizes. But I want to encourage you to be thoughtful in preparation for Advent. One of the ways I'll throw some recommendations out there includes how you start working on your Christmas tree. Now, I love getting my Christmas tree right after Thanksgiving, but I think there are some great ways that I've enjoyed the last couple of years of phasing into 
both Advent and the Christmas season with how we've done our Christmas tree that's really beautiful, tasteful, but also fun. So I'll be sharing more of that this week and next week as we prepare the way for Advent. So stay with me all week as we're getting ready to head into some great liturgical seasons this year. Coming up next is a family rosary across America.